Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome. Welcome to Mana Ministry. All right. Well, we're going to get started here. And so we just want to welcome everyone. And we want to introduce to you, if you haven't joined us before, to our new Truth Prescriptions Mental Health Series. We are now in our third episode. I can't believe it's going by so quickly. Um, and we are excited for today, and we'll introduce that in a little bit, but we want to encourage you to uh, subscribe, to share with a friend, and to follow us on Instagram. Specifically, Instagram has a lot of our posts and flyers, so you know what's coming up. And then YouTube has all of our uploaded recorded videos. So although it is live on Zoom, and we encourage you to join us on Zoom because we have some wonderful participation, um, but if you can't join us, we encourage you to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get notifications of when that video is uploaded. And of course, of course, of course, to share with a friend. I don't know about you, Kersel, but for myself, last episode especially was just really powerful. I didn't realize how much confusion there is about empathy and how when we better understand empathy, um, we can better provide that empathy. And so vital information, we encourage you to share the link with a friend. And today's especially, we want to encourage you and we'll, you'll see why. <laughs> well, we want to say welcome. My name is Chriselle Olasaran. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist. And my sister is? My name is Dr. Katie Elson, and I'm a psychologist. And we are your hosts for this series. Yes. We want to have a disclaimer because yes, although we are mental health professionals, we want to um, just let you know that the intent of this series is not to provide nor substitute any professional advice, diagnosis, treatment. Um, and really the purpose is to provide a spiritual lens, a, a guide using the Bible as a practical guide for one's mental well-being. The Bible has so much wisdom. And so we want to see what wisdom um, comes from the word. And as we always say that the truth, we should know it and the truth sets us free. And so if you are in need of professional advice, we encourage you to reach out to a mental health professional or another qualified health provider with any questions that you might have. Yes. And in addition, if you are in a crisis or you think that you may have an emergency, we encourage you to please call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts or any thoughts of harm, call 1-800-273-TALK-8255 to talk to a skilled trained counselor at a crisis center in your area at any time. And if you're located outside the United States, which could happen, call your local emergency line immediately. So we just want to thank you for joining us and to keep that disclaimer in mind. Yes. And Chriselle, yes. you're going to open us up with a word of prayer. Yes. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord in heaven, here we are again. Here's our third episode. And we just want to first and foremost tell you thank you. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for allowing us to have wisdom from you to be able to live better lives, Lord, not only for ourselves, but for those around us, for our loved ones. So we ask for guidance today and help us, Lord, with whatever struggle we may be going through. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, Katie, I'm not so sure 
if I am being viewed by the viewers, because I don't see myself popping up here on my end of Zoom. I can see you, Crystal. Perfect. Yeah, I see okay. your presentation and then you up in the top right corner. Okay, thank you, Madison. Thank you. Okay, so let's start with our title. Rethink your shrink. <laughs> now, I don't know how many of you have heard of the word shrink. I don't think that as I don't think that's commonly used nowadays. Am I correct, Katie? I'm not so sure if I've heard people say shrink. At least I've never been called a shrink. I've been called a psychotherapist, a therapist. But in this context, we're talking about rethinking the person you're seeking counseling from. So that's our title for today, Rethink Your Shrink. And so this is our third episode. We are today going to be tackling a very particular question. But before we get there, we want to start with an icebreaker question. So this is the time where we'd love to be interactive. We do want to remind you that if you want to remain anonymous, do not answer with your name and we won't say it out loud. If you don't mind being you know, out there and sharing your name, please share your name and the answer to this question. And then also a quick reminder throughout the whole episode, please send us questions if there's something that you have in mind, like, Oh, I don't know. Can you explain that a little more? We're here to be interactive. Okay, so let's start with our icebreaker question. Katie, can you share that with us, please? Yes. So our question for today is, why do people go to therapy? Any thoughts on why we go to therapy? And similarly, what's the purpose? So why do people go to therapy? And if you have multiple responses, feel free because this might be a multiple part answer. And again, like Chriselle said, if you're comfortable, share your name. We'd love to get to know you. Yes. And Chriselle, as a reminder, we have to answer as well. I know. I'll, I'll wait to see if someone else answers first. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to answer because yeah, I'm a little biased as a therapist. I can know why they're coming to therapy. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have a response. Are you able to read it, Chriselle? Yes. Hi, my name is Madison. Hi, Madison. Thank you for joining us. And people go to therapy to overcome trauma, to stay sane, to solve problems, to get inspired, etc. Yeah, there could definitely be a long list, right? Definitely a long list. Thank you for Madison for sharing that. So what she's emphasizing is problems, right? Certain problems or, mm -hmm. I mean, get inspired is not a problem, but maybe you're lacking inspiration. So yeah, many people can go to therapy because they have a certain problem. Mm -hmm. We have another one. We have Robert. People go to therapy to get help when they are depressed. Definitely true. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the most that. common diagnoses. It is one of them, that Me. and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I will answer. My name is Chriselle, as I mentioned earlier. And I, I will answer based on what I thought prior to becoming a therapist. I thought people went to therapy because they were crazy. And I know that sounds horrible coming from a therapist now. But I honestly, that's what I thought. Um, I, I didn't really know much about therapy. It hadn't really been presented to, to me as something that I would ever want to go to or something that even 
a common person would go to. I would think of someone who has schizophrenia needed to go and see a mental health professional, more of the higher end diagnoses. And so now that I am a therapist, my answer to this would be what I most commonly see in my office would be I'm uncomfortable and I want something to change. Yeah, we have a comment here. I used to think the same way. And what's fascinating about that, I was just thinking, is how much the stigma has changed and how much the perception of why we go to therapy has changed, right? It was highly stigmatized before. Oh, you're going to therapy. And now millennials are saying, oh yeah, my therapist said X, Y, Z, right? In some ways, my personal belief might be it's been overly normalized to the point Mm -hmm. where therapy can sometimes lose its effectiveness, right? That's so true. In addition to that, Katie, I will add on that I have heard other individuals come to therapy. When I ask them, what are you doing in therapy? They'll tell me I'm here to talk. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes they think that they sit on the sofa, they just talk, therapist listens, the sounding board, and then that's therapy. Mm -hmm. The sofa, Mm -hmm. as I have behind me. Yes, the free association. (laughs) Yes. We have a couple more comments. Yes, Madison says, so true. Some people go and don't know why. It's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have also a comment. Yes. From Robert, he added on when they have some marital conflicts. Yes. I think it's more common when someone says, oh, we need counseling when they're married. When things are getting a little rough or they're already too rough, we need counseling. <laughs> and sometimes that's a little bit more socially acceptable. I've, not, I've noticed for a lot of my clients, I'll ask them, have you had therapy before? And they'll say, yeah, couples counseling. They'll like never step foot in a therapist room unless it's couples, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. it's because their partner may have dragged them in. But um, yeah, it's a little bit more acceptable um, for them to come together. Mm-hmm. So true. So Katie, what's your, what's your response? Oh, yes, I haven't even responded. I haven't even thought of my response. Um, Why do people go to therapy? So my name is Katie. And I would say before I was a therapist, I didn't think necessarily that they were crazy. um, But I thought that they had, you know, just a lot of problems, like, and mostly, I would say I thought like childhood problems, like people that were childhood problems, never really learned how to deal with it. And so they have to go to therapy to really seek help in dealing with kind of like they were very helpless. That's how I I viewed it. Um, Now, I mean, I can't answer because that's a little bit part of our presentation. So (laughs) stay tuned. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for sharing your response to the icebreaker question. So as Katie already mentioned, this question is connected as all our icebreaker questions are connected to our episode. And so what are we going to be talking about today, Katie, in a little bit more detail, we've given some hints, but as we're starting into our episode. So before we, we transition, just a quick comment for those who may be watching even on YouTube. So while you're watching this, still feel free to answer the icebreaker question. Uh, we love to hear your comments and we can respond to them as well. So it's, it's good even that you can't be here. We love the participation, but then you could still participate from whatever time you're able to watch those. So uh, 
before we actually fully transition to our topic, our topic is related and linked to our last episode. And so just a quick review of that um, is we talked about empathy and we always like to review our truth prescription from the week or the two weeks before. And so if anyone was here present last time, um, we were going to check in to see if you were able to um, do your truth prescription. And if you're joining us for the first time and thinking, what in the world is a truth prescription? Uh, truth prescription, we end every single episode with a prescription, right? Similar to you go to the doctor's office, they give you prescription to help you with your mental well-being. There's a truth prescription at the end of every episode. And in light of the topic of empathy, our um, truth prescription was to be intentional, to make the choice to do at least one empathic act. And what we discussed last time was that empathy is not truly possible for human beings. But if you didn't join us last time, then you're probably surprised. And we won't cover it fully because that means you have to watch the last episode. But we will say this, true empathy is only possible by one person. And who was that person, Crusoe? Jesus Christ. Yes, because true empathy means to feel another's pain. And we can't feel each other's pain. Only Jesus was the person that was able to suffer in all points that we did. And so, but we are able to empathize in the human sense of making the choice to either understand cognitively, to desire to feel emotionally, and the desire to help compassionately. So curious to hear, did anyone do a empathic act this past two weeks? And you're not limited to just one, um, but mm -hmm. if you'd like to share, and Chriselle, that includes you. I don't know if you did your own truth prescription. <laughs> well, I mean, when you go to work and you work as a therapist, that doesn't count. I, <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying, because, but I will say this, uh, when I went to work these past two weeks, because of our topic on empathy and learning, because don't forget that we, we are also learning in this whole process. Learning that empathy is not necessarily fully capable on our part, right? And that, that there isn't really quite a difference between empathy and sympathy. It's just that the times have been different. Empathy became a word, right? I noticed as a therapist that I was attempting to recognize within myself Am I being empathic? What component of empathy am I, am I engaging in this moment? Just, I think my, my awareness increased. And it's interesting because my, my homework would be that I noticed, not so much the, sorry, the truth prescription, but a little twisted, <laughs> I changed it. Uh, I noticed that it's very difficult to be just cognitively empathic. And we talked about this, we touched this last episode it's a, it's a package. And I say that because as a therapist, if you truly care about the struggle of your patient or your client, yet you don't guide them and compassionately take action to help them in a sort of way, such as giving a referral, connecting them to their support system, et cetera, that empathy is not really complete. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I noticed. I can't just stay at the cognitive. I can't just do the emotional. It's a package. Yeah, 
good reflections. Anyone else? It's okay if you say that you didn't. We will empathize with you. <laughs> um, but Thank we'd you. love to hear if you attempted or even if you um, didn't do it, but thought, okay, well, maybe I could do X thing this next week or two. And so while we're waiting for some more responses, um, I noticed that it came up for me again in the client um, area of you know, doing therapy. Um, I noticed that I, I had the reaction to respond cognitively and um, it was basically with a client suffering from addiction. And this client said, you know, I feel like a druggie and that doing urine tests make me feel like a druggie. And I thought for a moment, you know, I don't know how that feels. I can't even imagine, I can't even get close to knowing how that feels. And I shared that with this client and I basically told them, you know, I would want to know more about your experience, right? That's deciding, that's the choice to enter into their experience. And I noticed that that for me was helpful because sometimes even as a therapist, you're short on time. And so you just kind of rush of like, oh, I know how you feel or, oh, I, you know, oh yeah, oh, that must be hard. And you move on instead of choosing to stay there with the person. And so it was very powerful to, to recognize um, the power of the choice to be empathic. And I think mm -hmm. for me, and I hope for all of our viewers, noticing that empathy is not really truly how, we, how the ability to feel, it does not just come natural to choice, can hopefully empower mm -hmm. us to choose more to be empathic. Mm -hmm. Well, looks like nobody did their truth prescription. <laughs> or, or maybe they did. Share. <laughs> yes, or maybe they did. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that was a good truth prescription. And we have one a little later that will be coming up, right? Yes. Well, I do think we have a response here. Do you mind reading it, Katie, please? Yes, of course. I think it made me more aware of situations in people's lives around me where I had to make that choice, like you guys are saying, to have empathy. Right. Yeah. It's a little bit, we live in a world that's so rushed that it doesn't really provide the opportunity for empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. You just want a quick mm -hmm. fix. Yeah. So true. Even in therapy, some people are pushing to cut down therapy sessions to 30, 15 minutes. And yes, you can get through skills, but it is really hard to be connected mm -hmm. with a person because that's really the, the choice that is being made. It's the choice to be connected. Yes. Okay, well, that's our review of last week's truth prescription. Now are we ready, Katie, to begin? Yeah, I think so, so. In connection to last week and that there's no, we're not able to truly empathize of to know how someone else feels, but we can make the choice as we reviewed the three types of empathy. It made us to, it got us thinking um, really about you know, if Jesus is the only one who can truly empathize, does that mean that then we shouldn't go to therapy, right? That's mm -hmm. one of the main questions. What are some other questions that this, the last episode might have sparked for us, Kersal, and maybe for our viewers? Yes, I think one that comes up is maybe the question of, does that mean that God is enough? 
that if he's the only one who can truly empathize, then maybe I shouldn't have a therapist. Mm -hmm. And then that continues with a follow-up question. Well, maybe if I do need a therapist, does that mean the therapist has to be Christian, connected to Christ? Mm -hmm. Or does it just need to be an empathic therapist, right? And then another question that can come is, are only Christian therapists capable of being empathic? Mm -hmm. So basically, a lot of questions regarding the choice to whether or not mm -hmm. to pursue therapy. So our title for today's episode, episode three, is Rethink Your Shrink. We're looking at different questions and rethinking, really, what's the purpose of therapy? And how do I choose a shrink? AKA a mm -hmm. therapist. Yes, we have a comment here. God and Jesus work through people or therapist. Okay, definitely. And then we have another comment. How do you know if a therapist is really empathic? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. We will be addressing that today. Yes. All right. So Crystal, where do we want to begin? Well, I want to begin with, a, with another question. I like questions. <laughs> This is a question I want to begin with, and this is just for us to understand and for you to be more aware of your own thought process when it comes to this topic. Do you think, okay, here's the question. I think there's two. Do you think God is all you need or do you need a counselor? Is a counselor necessary? And I don't mean that. I don't mean that look into your own life and say to share with everyone. Yes, I want, or I need a therapist, but just in general, is God all we need or are counselors necessary? Yeah. What do you guys think? I think one of the comments already sort of addresses it, right? That God mm -hmm. and Jesus work through people or therapists, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and the reason why we're asking this question is because I don't know if you've heard this before. I have heard this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it came from any judgmental place, but there are sometimes in certain circles of our life where people will say, oh, you know, just pray more. Or why do you need a counselor? God has all of the wisdom in the Bible. God is enough. I've even heard particular clients of my own that are Christian and they've said, my family doesn't understand. I, I, I go to a therapist because I need some sort of feedback where they say, I do pray, I do read scripture, I do all the things, and I'm still feeling depressed or anxious or fill in the blank. Yeah. And then often after that, Katie, is this, this feeling of something's wrong with me. If everyone's telling me that God is enough, and if I'm not feeling or sensing that he's enough, then that must mean that something is wrong with me. I'm a bad Christian. Yeah. yeah. And let's, for maybe our audience or those viewers that are not Christian, we, the world has a similar um, kind of way to say it. It's, you know, mm -hmm. just suck it up, right? Just push through it. You don't need a counselor, right? Counselor, mm -hmm. you know, therapies for weak people or for crazy people. Or so the question is, do people really need a counselor? Yes. And, and just to be mindful that there are different cultures that have different uh, perspectives when it comes to seeking mental health that could play a part in their own thought process or perspective of this particular topic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you have any other responses, feel free to, to send them in. Um, but in order to answer whether or not 
is God all we need or do I need a counselor? It's really first answering the question, well, what's the purpose of seeing a counselor? And that was our icebreaker question. And so we'll mm -hmm. resort back to your responses and some of more common responses. Um, first, um, somebody had mentioned, well, it's because there's a problem, right? Depression, anxiety, trauma, marital problems. What else? What are other common presenting problems? Mood swings. Mm -hmm. Or they're starting to notice I'm just angry all the time. And I'm getting in a lot of arguments with my coworkers, with my family members, with my spouse. I don't know what's wrong with me. Anger management. Mm -hmm. Insomnia. Anger management. That's another one. OCD. Right. Yes. And oftentimes there could also be the case where they go see their primary care provider and they're, they've done all of these medical exams and they say to them, there's nothing that we've, that we found. You need to go see a mental health professional. Yes. So one of the common answers is there's a problem, but mm -hmm. that's not the only reason or that that reason is not enough to go see a counselor. There are many people who have problems and never go see a counselor. Mm -hmm. So what's the second part to that response, Chriselle? I would say that it would be, I just want to feel better. Right now, I don't feel I'm not in a comfort zone. I'm, I'm like itchy and something's bothering me. I want to feel better. So it's, they may not even know that they exactly have a problem, but mm -hmm. they know that they don't feel right and they want to feel better. Mm -hmm. So really, if you think about those two pieces, we really have to combine them. And if you, so uh, we use the di diagnostic manual, kind of like the psychiatric uh, manual for diagnoses. And they do define a problem, but at the end, one of the main criteria is what, Crisel? Is it affecting their functioning? Has it changed their functioning? And just not right. just functioning in their personal relationships, functioning at work, their day-to-day -day functioning, et cetera. And it, it talks about clinical or significant impairment, not just changes in functioning. Oh, you know, feel a little lonely, impairment. but really impairment. And so there's a problem that's causing impairment and you want to feel better, but you don't know how. So why do people go see a therapist is because they have a problem, they want to feel better and they don't know how. And so that is all summed up with the word they're seeking guidance. Mm -hmm. We have a comment is, here from someone. Yes. Says, I remember that in Africa's traditions, people rely on elders. Like it takes a village to raise a kid. Most issues that are solved by modern therapists would be mostly taken care within the family. You see how culture plays a different role, right? When yes. it comes to this topic. Yes. It's mm -hmm. fascinating because even, for example, psychotic disorders, um, they've done research studies where they see that uh, psychotic symptoms present differently depending on different cultures. And so it's less mm -hmm. severe in collectivistic cultures that are very supportive because they don't um, stigmatize or... Um, really outcast the these individuals from society and so support helps to um, the support helps with actually dealing with and coping with the disorder yes and we have another question here I think it's in regards to our previous question says this is a good question because some people are told in the church that they shouldn't express their feelings or thoughts to another human being on earth 
that all we need to do is bring our burdens to God in prayer. Yes, I've heard that before. What do you guys think on that? And that's essentially the question that we're going to be answering. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through our episode today and we're going to toss that question back to you, not just you, the person who asked the question, but back to our viewers and see if you're able to answer that question based on what we're covering today. Yes. And so we encourage you that if by the end or after several you know, verses that we share, if we're still not quite addressing your questions, yes. please pose it again. We want to make sure that um, what we're providing is answering that because you're completely right. It is a common question, often in different forms of whether to just pray or just go to, um, you know, God. Um, but it's definitely something that we want to answer by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And so guidance, Crystal, what, what is, what is guidance? What does the original word mean? To guide someone. No. The original word, I, I mean, if that were my own definition, but the original word, it says here to assist a person to travel through or to reach a destination in an unfamiliar area as by accompanying or giving directions to the person. I'm very visual, so I can just imagine that. Okay. Like partnership, right? That's what I, I think of when it comes to guidance. How does that apply to therapy? Well, we were talking about that oftentimes when people go to therapy, the purpose is that they may feel like I need some change in my life, but they don't quite know how to reach that change. And therefore they need some sort of guidance, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the where the guidance space comes in. The therapist is the one assisting a person, which is the client mm-hmm. to travel through or reach the destination of their, hold on a second. I need to check something. Continue. Continue. Okay. So that essentially the therapist is the person who would be doing the guiding, accompanying the other person who's in need of guidance to reach a particular destination. And it's interesting because if, while the therapist is this guider, the one being guided may not even know what that destination place is, but they come in hope and in confidence, not always, but most times that the therapist knows where to get them at. And that by the time they reach that, that area of destination, they will feel better and be able to go back to their life and continue living their life. That is the ultimate goal for them. And so we're bringing in the concept of guidance and understanding what the true definition of guidance is. But what does guidance have to do with rethinking your shrink? Tell us, Katie. So So I was just being right back in. Sorry, I was just um, explaining to them how as the the, the guider, the therapist is guiding the person who's coming to therapy. They're guiding them in to a destination that maybe the, the client may not even know what that destination is, but they're trusting and hoping that the therapist will get them to the place where they're going to be able to say, I feel better. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so one of the main reasons why we need guidance is it's hard to see outside of ourselves. So if you were to say, well, it's just me or just me and God. And we see this in the Bible in many different areas and many different passages. And we're just going to highlight a couple. And what I find fascinating is a lot of them are found in Proverbs. And Proverbs is a book about wisdom. So we need wisdom. Chriselle, can you read Proverbs 14, 12? Yes, Proverbs 14, 12. And it reads, there is a way that seems right to a man 
but its end is the way of death. I like that word seems right. <laughs> yes. But its end so, is the way of death. It's so hard to no... see outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It seems right to us, but it could even lead to death. Proverbs mm -hmm. 28, 26 then says, very similar text here. 28, 26 says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Other versions say, who trusts in his own mind, okay? But whoever walks wisely will be delivered, mm. okay? So we see here this theme of not trusting your own self. You may think it seems right, but mm -hmm. the end could be destruction. And then Proverbs 12, 15, Chrisel, do you have that one? Yes, it reads, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Mm -hmm. so, so here we, we see the difference, yeah. right? When you're seeking, and you're not seeking, you're by yourself. You're thinking, I got it all. I have all the answers. That's a fool. That's where foolishness is found. But when you're seeking counsel with another, that's where wisdom is found. Yes. And so we see that it's important mm -hmm. to seek wisdom outside of ourselves. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was thinking about this and thinking about, I always like to compare what the Bible has to say versus what society teaches us. And any yeah. thoughts I want to hear from those who are joining us, um, any thoughts on, well, what's the society's perspective today? What is society teaching us? Is it teaching us to, to seek wisdom or to seek guidance from other people? Any ideas? Again, it's important to think about the contrast. Mm -hmm. Crystal, do you have any ideas? Well, going thinking back on when I was in school, a lot of the theories that were taught to us as therapists were to encourage our clients to be self-efficient to be able to provide the way of understanding, the way of problem solving for themselves. Yes, there was an element of the support system, but a support system in context to what you wanted. <laughs> Not necessarily in checking in with the support system for guidance, which is interesting. Yeah, we have a comment that says, you know, yeah, I think so, but maybe not in the same way the Bible is telling us. Mm -hmm. You know, what came to mind for me is, Society, especially today, is like, you know your truth, right? Trust yourself. You know your own reality. You know, and that's very even behind different movements today, right? That, okay, whatever you identify as, that's your truth, right? There's a lot of self-determination as well. But this idea that, you know, it's not that the way that seems right to you is correct. I mean, the Bible is saying that it's not correct. It leads to death. And society is often teaching us, no, the way that seems right to you is right. So we see this difference. But um, I know for myself, I've had many clients who were like, wow, I didn't realize I was deceiving myself, right? I was in a relationship that I knew, but once I was in it, I couldn't get out, right? Ways that we deceive ourselves. I don't know if, Crystal, you have any other examples of um, how, it, how we can deceive ourselves and not why it's important to seek guidance outside. Yes. And so I would think that the most common way we deceive ourselves is when we are overthinkers. 
and we make our decisions based on our thoughts or our feelings. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, and we're actually going to cover this in another episode, I'm super excited for it because I think these are wonderful to be able to be aware of and to change, is this element of cognitive distortions, yes. which are ways that we think that are distorted. For example, there's one that's called jumping to conclusions. There's two types, mind reading and fortune telling. And when people say, oh, it's never going to get better. Well, they're thinking that way. That doesn't mean it's necessarily true. And they're deceiving themselves. And that could keep them in, I mean, if they're struggling with depression, it could keep them in that bottom of feeling depressed. And so when they go to therapy, the therapist challenges those thoughts with them out loud. And it teaches them to be able to work through their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a comment here, self-fulfilling prophecy. Definitely. If you think something, it can be true, right? Um, Keyword self. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We have a couple more comments here. Not at all society wants to program us um, that it wishes we should be the way that they wish it would be. Yeah, and definitely a strong influence from social media, from Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then another comment here, the Bible tells us to get godly guidance from people that will guide us in the right way. Godly parents, people, friends who have a close walk with God, like a pastor or elder. But society may, society may say advice from just anyone is okay. Um, I believe this person knows, has access to our notes, Chris, all, because that's exactly where we're heading next, right? Okay, we do need advice, um, but can we just get advice from family? Can, is advice from God enough? Because it says, you know, the verses we read is importance of seeking counsel. But is this mm-hmm. talking about just counsel from God? Or if somebody that's watching it doesn't have a Christian perspective, they might say, oh, only from fill in the blank family member. But the mm-hmm. Bible's very clear about this. Um, Crystal, do you have Proverbs eleven fourteen? Yes, I do. Proverbs eleven fourteen reads, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And so from this verse, we recognize, right, Katie, that it's not just one counselor. (laughs) It's a multitude of counselors. And I think sometimes we may we may fall guilty of seeking counsel from one particular person and saying, "Okay, that's good and taking it. And oftentimes we take it because it confirms what we (laughs) we thought in the first place. But here in this verse, it makes it very clear that we need a multitude of counselors. And that's not the only verse. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. So if you want to establish plans or goals, you need a multitude of counselors. As well as Proverbs 24, 6 talks about the abundance of counselors. Where there's abundance of counselors, there is victory. Right. So the Bible is teaching that need that we need multitude of counselors, not just God. Right. God can use several people and not just a family member or a friend. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, Katie, because. Oftentimes when we need help, like we say, okay, you know, I can go to a pastor, I can go to a doctor, especially if I'm not feeling well. But when it comes to our mental health, it's like oh, I don't, I don't need to see a therapist or no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It it kind of goes back to the comment about um, how, oh, that we don't want to go to another human being um, 
to for help, right? Um, but yeah, we God is a healer. The Bible talks about God can heal, and yet we still go to doctors, right? Mm-hmm. God is ultimately our pastor, but we still go to pastors. But when it comes so to true. mental health, you know, mm, deal so with it true. on your own. Mm. And Nikki, why do you think I'm just going to throw that out? And this is probably just a discussion between both of us as therapists. Why do you think that when it comes to mental health, people have that approach? Like we, when I'm feeling sick, I go to a doctor. If I need a pastor, you know, for spiritual guidance, I'll go to a pastor. But for mental health, they say, God is enough. Just keep praying. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's or, the case? Or the secular perspective, you know, mm-hmm. just push through it you know, suck it up. So it's both, you know, both parties. I think it's because it feeds the tendency of secrecy. A lot Mm. of these things that we have to come for are things that we're shameful about, right? Oh, because if I'm depressed, that means I'm weak. Or if I struggle with addiction, that means I'm weak or whatever the reason, whatever the preconceived notion, but the tendency of how to deal with mental health problems is secrecy to hide it's isolation it's withdraw it's not to seek help oh i have a weird rash or i have you know these heart palpitations i go to the doctor even why people present most people are actually treated for their mental illness by primary care physicians mm-hmm. not psychiatrists and not psychotherapists and that's this idea of there's too much shame to go to a therapist or to a psychotherapist mm-hmm. Another very interesting fact is actually, if you look at the progression of our society is before um, there were not many therapists because the pastor, a spiritual pastor actually um, was the one to do all the counseling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious, Crystal, any thoughts about why, why do um, pastors no longer, why is there a greater need for therapists now if pastors can do that work? Well, I think there could be multiple reasons, but what I think <laughs> is essentially that there's become an overwhelming amount of problems, mental health struggles that are becoming a little bit more delicate, that they're not necessarily trained to approach them. And therefore, a mental health professional is needed versus a pastor. Yes, and I would say to add to that, Um, pastors used to be trained. They used to be heavily trained in counseling. And now not so much. It's made this transition um, to doctrine. And we have this very, um, you know, exclamation point remark. uh, Yes, pastors are not trained. (laughs) Somebody else um, definitely agreeing with that. Yeah, unfortunately, they were before. And so a lot of people went to these pastors, and I would say not just the pastors, but churches in some ways were better at better equipped to deal with as a village, a little bit like the comment earlier about, you know, different cultures, the family would would deal with it together. And we see that pastors are not being trained, churches are not being supportive enough, and cultures are not being supportive enough, but it's a very isolating um, perspective nowadays. Yes. And, you know, we're talking about pastors, but in other religions, representative of pastors are priests. And I've had certain friends from different churches, and they've mentioned that when there are struggles within the family, within their marriage, they go to the priest for guidance. And so oftentimes, even a priest can take the place of a counselor. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that doesn't mean that we shouldn't go see therapists. One of the verses mm-hmm. I found very interesting is First Peter 5, verses 2 to 4. And talking about how a pastor, basically a pastor is a shepherd. And the Bible talks about pastors, teachers, evangelists, right? Different roles and functions. Um, Crystal, do you have it? First Peter yes, you said 5 verses Peter 2 to 4. Yes, it reads, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I like those verses. Mm -hmm. Does that mean, oh, there's a chief shepherd, so you don't need to shepherd the flock? Mm -hmm. There's God, so that means you don't need a therapist. Mm -hmm. No, it says that God, you know, provides other shepherds to take care of his flock. And I really, as a therapist, I really like these verses because it, 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 you know, it challenges me to action of being willing, it says, being eager, but also something that's very, very important about how to seek a good therapist is finding one that's not being lord over those entrusted to you, not dominating, mm-hmm. not authority figures that are um, trying to mold you. Because I think on the comment about, oh, don't come to a human being with your thoughts and your emotions, is this idea, this fear that you are vulnerable, that you might be taken advantage of. And that is mm-hmm. a sad reality. That is so sad. We have a, a comment here. Do you, do you guys think mental health has gotten worse on the whole, in the, as a whole, as time has gone by? Or is it the same as it always has been? And we are just more aware of it now. In other words, are pastors facing more intense, complex issues in mental health with their members now than they did 50 years ago, for example? Want me to answer that? You want to answer Whatever. that? This is what I would say. I think that there's a component to both that we are becoming more aware of it, but I'm thinking we're becoming more aware of it because the problems are becoming more intense. And there has been an additional, there are additional factors that come to play, such as social media, such as exposure, more exposure to, to other topics, um, television, etc. that, Previously, 50 years ago, for example, in movies, just to see a toilet was considered horrendous, inappropriate. And now, I don't think I have to say, many things are passing that are inappropriate as appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so things have obviously gotten worse. And therefore, when things get worse, when sin gets worse, there are mental health consequences as a result. To sum that up, I would say there's a lack of truth again mm, in our society. Yes. And so when so there's true. a lack of truth, there are results of mental illness, right? And essentially Katie, a lack of truth, meaning a lack of God because the truth yes. is God. Yeah. So definitely mm-hmm. worse problems. And I would say sometimes even what we see now is are people wanting to identify as mentally ill. Um, it's kind of a, mm the norm now and so it's not just Mm -hmm. because there are actual problems but also people wanting that wanting to identify in that way 
Mm-hmm. So we see that therapists are also pastors, right? To shepherd the flock. Jeremiah 3.15 says, I will give you shepherds. God is saying this. After mm-hmm. my own heart, who will mm-hmm. feed you with knowledge and understanding. God does, you know, delegate responsibilities to human beings. He could easily, you know, just do all the work by himself. But he uses human beings. And we could spend hours just providing all different kinds of examples of individuals that God used to help his people, whether as a prophet, whether as a pastor, as a teacher, um, in many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. Chris, are you going to a Bible verse? A, a Bible chapter. Okay. <laughs> you want to read a whole chapter? No, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But okay, if, would... if you, for the viewers, if you do have a Bible in front of you, if you could turn to John chapter 17. And following what Katie just mentioned in regards to Jeremiah chapter three, verse 15, that he will give you shepherds after his own heart. We see also here that Jesus prays for his disciples at this point where he is going to be ascending and leaving. He appoints them and prays for them to do what, Katie? To basically go take care of his his children, to go into the world. And I love these particular verses. And let's see here. Verses 17, 18, and 19. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Truth prescriptions truth prescriptions. And so I think that begs the question then, who is God then? Who are the shepherds of God? How do we identify them so that we don't have that fear to go to see a mental health professional? Or if we don't have the fear, we don't project that fear onto someone else who may be seeking guidance. Yes, that's a great question. It's kind of similar to the question that was posed earlier. Should we just seek advice from anyone, right? And we won't go into all you know the different um, biblical evidence for this. Um, But one of the things I wanted to highlight is the human kind of tendency to look for somebody who will confirm, right? You, whether you like a guy and you go and you look for that friend that, you know, maybe he's not so good for you, but you'll make sure you talk to the friend that won't go against what you're, you're wanting, right? So it's this idea of um, confirmation bias, right? That we look for things to confirm our bias. And the Bible also mentioned this. I remember when I first read this Bible verse and I was like, wow, that's so true. In second mm-hmm. Timothy four, three, when it talks about um, kind of the end times and the, the state of how things are during those times, uh, I love the language that it uses. Second Timothy four, three, Um, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. In other versions, it says instruction, right? Advice, counsel. Um, So they won't endure good counsel, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will choose teachers. And itching ears, like, you know, anything that tickles your ears, looking anything to soothe your own desires. And this makes me think about there are people who seek advice or seek therapists, 
right? And this often happens with couples counseling. I just want somebody to tell me that I'm right. It's all her fault or it's all his fault, right? But it's important to seek advice from individuals that are objective the same way, um, you know, we just read in John chapter 17, right? To sanctify them by their, by your truth. You need to seek somebody who has truth as their ultimate guide and not seeking somebody that is just going to confirm your own beliefs. True. And it's interesting, Katie, because even in a bigger picture, the grand scheme of life, we see even certain news channels, certain social, social, social media posts that even those are <laughs> biased, right? And then sometimes they're biased because they censor what doesn't confirm what they think. And so it's censored and it's a lot, not allowed to be exposed or shared with others. Yes. Which is kind of scary. <laughs> we see this being fulfilled today, right? Mm -hmm. Facebook. I don't know. I have, you know, some friends that have been taken off of Facebook. Their posts taken down, right? Social media, news, things that we used to trust. It's hard to trust now because there's, we live in a state of censor censorship. censorship. Okay. Yeah. So then so, that leads us to this other question, which I think is a good question to be asked is, so then that does that mean that I need a Christian Adventist therapist? Hmm. Or thoughts? Can I get a, reg a regular counselor? Secular. Secular counselor. What do you and, guys think? Yeah. This is one that I've struggled with uh, when people have come up to me and say, oh, you know, uh, who do you recommend? For one, Christian therapists, there's a scarcity of Christian therapists. Um, two, sometimes I, I've thought and they said, do, do they need to be Christian? And I, you know, I, I, years before hadn't really made up my my mind about this um and you know our job here is not just to give an answer we often like just give me the answer don't tell me why or explain just give me the answer but we want to equip you all with um, the ability to think for yourselves and to come to your own conclusion but we already have a response here definitely christian therapist okay anyone else what are your thoughts? And it doesn't have to be a definite answer. If you're like, you know, I don't know. And write some reasons why you think yes or think no. But what are your thoughts? Crystal, did you have any thoughts? Well, I would just share that when I get requests for referrals from within the church, I, I think I've, for every single request, it's been for a Christian therapist. And if when I've asked, can it be outside? A secular therapist, no, it needs to be a Christian therapist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that because I'm guessing that their thought is it needs to be a Christian therapist. Mm. Yeah. And if someone's watching that they, they don't come from a Christian perspective, we'll also talk a little bit about whether or not a non-Christian would be interested in seeing a Christian therapist. Maybe they have the perspective of, oh, no, I definitely don't want to see a Christian therapist because maybe they're biased. Right. So in general, is it best to have a Christian therapist? So you can send in your, your responses. Oh, there we go. There's another one. Mm -hmm. I guess that a Christian therapist would personally give me comfort. Okay. 
Okay, good honest answer. Mm -hmm. So if someone so is seeking for comfort, their answer may be, yes, I, I need a Christian therapist. Mm -hmm. So let's go through the yes reasons of why, yes, I do need a Christian therapist. And then let's also go to, oh, surprisingly enough, yes, maybe some no reasons. Mm. And I used to be all for the yes reasons, but is there possible reasons not to? Okay, so yes reasons, Chriselle. What are some examples in which definitely we would like to have a Christian therapist? Well, maybe as a Christian, you're wanting a therapist to be able to understand your faith. When you say, I, God told me, I hear the voice of God. You want the therapist to be able to resonate with that, to understand that versus a secular therapist who may be thinking, whoa, this person's psychotic. How do they hear the voice of God? And they wouldn't and not, understand. Yeah. And not just the voice of God, but understanding the spiritual battle that we're in, because I've had several, especially in the climate that we're living in today, it has shocked me how many clients have called in to say, I've heard a voice and different versions of this, but basically you're condemned by God or you're too far to be saved. You know, God can never save you different versions, but similar thoughts. And I think other therapists might label them as psychotic versus a therapist understanding that there is a spiritual battle that is going on. So yes, faith concerns. We have a comment here. Yes. Yeah, so faith concerns is one. And then we have a comment in regards to our question. It depends on that Christian individual's opinions. Some of them are wolves in sheep's clothing who use religion to gaslight people, particularly abused women. Mm. To clarify, do you mean the therapist is, is a wolf in sheep clothing or the client. Yes. I think she, you, the person I means therapist. The, I met some, some therapists could be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. It's so true. that's a no reason. And we'll, we'll get to that as well. Mm -hmm. So faith, what's the next one, Chrisal? Addiction. How? But can't addiction. There's like, there's valid evidence-based treatment that a secular therapist can provide as well. Well, if I'm a Christian and I'm coming to see a secular therapist and I'm saying, you know, I, I shouldn't be drinking alcohol. And they're like, well, how much are you drinking? Well, I drink like a glass a week. Oh, no, you're fine. That's You're not on the verge of alcoholism. You need to relax. Like, no, you don't understand that it's not correct for me to drink alcohol. And so, yes, in the sense of that wouldn't constitute an addiction, right? Mm -hmm. um, but... I would say even to go beyond that would be a secular therapist could have a harm reduction approach, right? Which would, which mm -hmm. means basically of like, okay, if you are addicted, we'll go down to a level that's not, you know, harm reduction um, where, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, after you're, you've gone through the work and um, you've kind of really had to overcome the addiction, maybe you can drink a little bit versus an mm -hmm. abstinent, you know, complete abstinence approach. Um, from a Christian perspective. And even secular therapists can have an abstinent approach, um, but primarily Christians, and I, I can't even speak for all Christians, from an Adventist Christian perspective, it would be complete abstinence. And that has been shown to be very helpful um, for addicts or for those who suffer from addiction. Mm -hmm. Marijuana as well, right? 
a Christian's perspective on marijuana use might be different. And for myself, when even I have uh, clients that are not Christian, I say, you know, this is not my Christian belief. This is even coming from how marijuana can have, you know, rebound anxiety and how it can lead to a psychotic break and other factors that are concerning. So my Christian beliefs motivate that, but it is supported by research as well. Mm-hmm. And then one that I did want to mention, and then we have a, a comment here um, for, I had a, a client not too long ago that was really struggling with watching movies. And they came from a very conservative um, home. And I had in that moment a thought, if they were most likely, I can't assume, but if they were being seen by a secular therapist, they would think this person is strange. Like those movies are fine. But for this person, it was really, they had a lot of shame and a lot of guilt in watching these things. And so depending on your view on these things, sometimes like somebody had mentioned comfort, it's comforting to know that someone might share similar beliefs. Mm-hmm. And our comment here says, biblical values will guide what advice you give. Therefore, a non-Christian will likely sometimes give advice that differs from Christian values, like you're saying with marijuana or other addictions like sexual issues too. Yes, and that leads us to our next one in regards to when it comes to the topic of marriage, there could be an impact of whether you see a Christian therapist or a secular therapist, such as the topic of premarital sex, right? Um, I think that's a given. Other is masturbation or even divorce in itself. Yes, Mm -hmm. even divorce in itself. It it can come from both ends. You know, there could be a therapist who is saying, you know, no, divorce is not an option. Divorce is not an option. Or it could be the other one is like, it's an option. It's an option. So, and not just an option. I have had Christian clients who have come to me and said, I'm so upset with my previous therapist because they were encouraging me to get a divorce. Mm. And, you know, again, we can't just completely generalize to Christian or non-Christian, but Mm, sometimes if there's a difference in views, it can be challenging um, with faith, addiction, marriage, um, as well as certain interventions or practices. So what's coming up more and more in the field of psychology um, is an integration of Eastern kind of new age practices. So what I mean by that is meditation. Meditation depends on how you define it, mindfulness as well. And we won't go into that. Maybe we'll have a whole episode on that and whether or not Mm -hmm. um, those things are helpful or harmful. Um, But a lot of um, even Buddhist practices and um, certain meditations or prayers Uh, rituals are being used by secular therapists. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more. Yeah. I think we should cover an episode on that for sure. Yes. And then we have here the next point, explain the next point, Katie. I don't remember quite the connection. Yeah. So um, another reason why it would be good, um, a good choice to seek a, a Christian therapist is if you're particularly vulnerable whether emotionally very vulnerable, and it's very hard for you to be able to distinguish between right or wrong. Um, That includes perhaps an adolescent. So for example, um, a lot of individuals um, who are, you know, in that age, they might have some confusion as to their identity, and identity in many different ways, right? Um, And one of the stages that we learn of development is confusion versus identity right? It's a stage in which there's a lot of confusion. And so they're very susceptible 
to influences, including influences of a therapist. And so like we mentioned in the verse, like not to lord over them. Um, and so we'll talk about how to protect from that as well. Yes. And ultimately, there's a difference in a way that a secular and Christian therapist would conceptualize their case. And for those who don't understand what it means to conceptualize a case, we essentially mean, okay, this is the person, this is the presenting problem. This is probably the underlying root issue. This is the treatment I'm going to provide. This is di the diagnosis and putting the whole picture together and having your response as a therapist, your approach as a therapist, mm -hmm. that would be conceptualization. So there is a difference in the way that a secular therapist and a Christian therapist may conceptualize the case as well as provide the treatment. And I'll give one example. Uh, a couple of years back, I was seeing a patient that was hearing voices, did not fit the criteria for schizophrenia nor any other psychotic criteria within the DSM. And most of my supervisors were telling me, well, just put, you know, this because it fits the most. And I'm thinking like, but no. And I'm thinking like, you know, there could be something else going on, maybe some mm -hmm. sort of conflict and spiritual battle going on with this person. And so I remember sitting down with a Christian su supervisor and opening up about my biblical perspective. And she agreed and told me you cannot diagnose this person with schizophrenia. Wow, good. So, yes. I'm glad the supervisor was open to that. But yeah, she understood because she also came from a Christian background. I see. Mm -hmm. All right. And so I did want to close this section of uh, yes reasons with, you know, uh, something I was reading online of the difference between a secular and Christian therapist. And this was in proponent, it was a proponent of Christian therapy, but it's so interesting. It ended with this. If, and so direct quotes, if you're not that religious, you won't find as much benefit with a Christian therapist. Those who feel like they're losing their faith may benefit, but if you never had much faith to begin with, you probably won't benefit. So mm -hmm. this is just kind of my personal slash professional opinion that if you are not Christian, you may still benefit from having a Christian therapist because of a Christian's values. So Christians, they value love, compassion, service, gratitude, faith, community, connection, value, identity, worth, right? Even just thinking about whether or not you believe that you're created by, um, by a personal creator versus evolved from a monkey, right? That you have an identity and worth that also Christians believe in freedom of choice, autonomy, hope, grace, mm -hmm. justice, even um, Adventist Christian perspective values a healthy lifestyle. And so thinking about if you're non, not Christian, you could still benefit from these things. A lot of the research actually supporting these things. Gratitude, gratitude increases serotonin levels. That's amazing, right? Serotonin is often we're low on serotonin when it comes to depression. And so the Bible talks about rejoice always. Right? And so having a Christian with these perspectives, with these values, can be beneficial, even if you're not Christian. And so mm -hmm. if you have someone in mind that you're thinking needs therapy and sending them this link, whether Christian or not, it's important to go through these different points. Yes. And Katie, in regards to someone struggling with grief, 
if a therapist has a perspective that you just live and die, and there's nothing beyond that, it'd be very hard to conceptualize and provide treatment for that patient without an element of hope. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So now let's go through the no reasons. And before we do, Ooh. does anyone want to be able to, um, if you want to comment of why might it not be beneficial to go see a, a Christian therapist? And one person already mentioned about, you know, the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this might be a little harder to think about. I think so. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're bringing it up. It's important to be balanced, right? A lot of people were living in a world of censorship and only providing one-sided arguments, but it's also important to see the other side. Any ideas on why it might not be beneficial? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, we have a comment here. By the way, what is gaslighting? <laughs> I'm, I'm too old to, well, I don't know. Do you want to explain or you want me to explain it? Go ahead. Go ahead. So basically gaslighting, it's actually, I think it's gaining more traction these days, but it's a form of psychological abuse. And so, um, and I want to make sure that I explain this in a clear way because it can often be, um, miss kind of defined incorrectly, but it's a form of psychological abuse where basically a person often in a relationship, and I don't mean romantic relationship, it could be any relationship, or even in a group setting. Um, basically, they, um, they started uh, abusing them in a way that um, basically starts making the person question their own ability to reason, um, their own perception of what actually is happening. So um, like in a relationship, um, oh no, you know, why are you thinking that, that that's, um, you're completely wrong. So I, an example of this, and I don't know if this is a great example, but, um, I, I had a client who uh, her boyfriend would put, uh, she would have her shoes in her closet. And then, um, uh, later she'll go to get them and they're gone. And then she goes, Hey, where's, where are my shoes? And He's like, I don't know, you must be crazy. Like, of course, they're there. Like, or I haven't done anything. Moments later, she'd come back and they were back there. So mind games in order to really touch at the heart of a person's sense of sanity and just sense of reality. And so they start becoming really confused and really distrusting their self and insecure. Yeah, so it's very, very harmful psychological um, yeah, psychological abuse. Thank you, Katie, for that definition. And thanks for being honest and asking up front what it was. Yes. Thanks. We have a comment so it's here. It's a lot of I manipulation. Yes, we have a comment here. I am biased to find a no reason. <laughs> That's another <laughs> honest answer. <laughs> yes. So let's let's begin talking about some no answers, no reasons, because Apparently, nobody can think of a no reason. Well, actually, that's not right, because someone already mentioned um, the the concern for gaslighting. And so one particular, oh, someone has a comment here, right? One reason might be people are afraid of people in the church that they may talk to others about their issues. 
That's true. Even though therapists have confidentiality, there is still that fear. Yes. And I will add to that. One of the no reasons is not just that fear, but sometimes, unfortunately, Christian therapists can have a lack of professionalism. Oh, you know, because I, they, they take the approach where oh, I'm using more of the Bible or prayer and, and they, they're less competent in some of the psychological practices that are important. And I've had conversations with people like, oh, whether or not we should have strict rules about confidentiality and, um, but it's to, to really protect people. And so some Christian therapists have had the reputation of, of not maintaining those professional uh, boundaries. Mm-hmm. What are so that would be a reason that that would be a reason why someone would say no? I don't want to see a Christian therapist, or even if your Christian therapist is a member of the church that you attend, that could be part of the reason why you feel fearful because you don't want to go to church and see this person seeing you when you've shared all of your struggles or intimate concerns with yes. that person. Could be another reason. Could also be that there is a lack of availability. A Christian therapist, where you may say, you know what, I'm just going to resort to seeing a secular therapist because there's just really hard to find a Christian therapist. Could be a reason, right, Katie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one that I can think of also is just because they're a Christian therapist or even um, within the same church does not guarantee that the two of you have the same views regarding anything. And so that could be a reason where you say, you know what, like, mm, no. Um, and then I've also heard from others who say, I don't want to see a Christian therapist because my spiritual walk is my spiritual walk. And my mental health problems are an other aspect of my life. And I don't want to blend the both. I just want to see someone who is competent in mental health and not someone who's going to utilize prayer the Bible to tell me and just pray about it. Cause I've heard that all the time. And so I want to guarantee myself. That I'm not going to hear that and just see a secular therapist who's going to be professional and be competent in the area of mental health. So basically it's a prescriber without a prescription. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the Bible, yes, prayer is important. Yes. The Bible is important, but the Bible itself includes a lot more principles to be used than just prayer alone. Right. And what you know the christian label can include right what does that really entail so it's similar to the comment earlier about so many people can call themselves christians but do they actually emulate christ and so they can have different views you can't guarantee that you'll match on all beliefs especially if you have a different if you're adventist christian versus non-denominational versus some people identify as catholic christians right so different views Um, depending on so you can't always guarantee and even within the same faith you can't guarantee exact same beliefs because I think a lot of people say oh I'm going to see a a Christian therapist because that in some way is going to guarantee me the safety from all harm but it doesn't or one reason no reason is you can't guarantee even if they have the label Mm -hmm. so true and so also we need to recognize that there could be a Christian therapist who's practicing with Christian principles, but does not label themselves as a Christian therapist. And so I will say that I myself am guilty of that. I worked for the county. And while I was working there, I prayed for my patients. I offered prayer 
And some of them said yes. Other, I don't think I've ever said no one has ever said no. And all the principles were based on Christian Christianity and biblical, I should say, more, more so biblical. And people always ask me, how is it that your, your, your connection with the therapist, how is it that they keep coming back? And it wasn't me right? It was the bigger source, the bigger therapist, the best prescriber. And so there are therapists who may not have the Christian label, but they're practicing with Christian principles. Yeah. So that means, you know, one reason, no, that you can seek somebody who's not a Christian therapist is there are certain institutions that don't allow for Christian therapists to identify as Christian therapists. So you can still go to a, a secular institution and God might direct you to somebody who doesn't have a Christian label, but does practice Christian principles, right? So several no reasons of availability of therapists that they may have the label, but they don't actually incorporate the principles, or they may not have the label and they do incorporate principles. And one of the thoughts that came to mind for me is God can still use people who are not believers. And you say, what? Is there an example of that? You know, there are probably others, but the one that comes to mind for me is King Nebuchadnezzar. God still used him, a heathen king, to be able to be a blessing and later on converted him too. So maybe you could be a witness to your therapist. Um, you shouldn't go only to therapy for that reason, but this idea that God can still use. I have known supervisors who are not Christian, and yet I would personally go to them for therapy. Because in some, it, I had one particular where when I was with her, I was like, I don't even think she knows that she is so much like Christ, right? Not in every ways, but in, in many ways. Um, so God can definitely work through people and use them to, to be a blessing to others. We have a comment here. One of the biggest challenges people have is knowing how to try out a therapist to see if they really do have the Christian values you are looking for, whether they label it or not. It feels like a guessing game to find a good one sometimes. And seriously, this person I think has our notes, right, Katie? <laughs> yes. Because we're going to be now leading into, well, then how do you, how do you identify? And yeah, how do you identify? I, I was about to go answer the question, but we have our, our steps here. It, it relates to our previous episode in regards to what is a competent prescriber? What is a good prescriber, right? Looking at the notes now. And we talked about empathy. Yes, but let's quickly just close out the, the yes and no reason. Oh. So mm -hmm. yes and no, it really depends on your presenting problem, right? If you have faith mm -hmm. concerns, then go to somebody who can uh, relate to that. It depends on your goals for therapy and then also your vulnerability or susceptibility to influence and ultimately to identify Christ-like characteristics and ask, this is a key thing, regardless of Christian or not Christian, ask, does the outcome of therapy draw me closer to Christ? So a, a, somebody who's secular can still give you principles. So for example, what I would recommend is finding someone who is protocol, evidence-based, protocol-based. So they're just using a trauma CPT protocol right? Um, it's less talk therapy, more skills-based, and the outcome could still draw you closer to God. But does the outcome, that's the main question to ask yourself, does it draw me closer to God? If you're a secular person that's looking for a therapist, does the outcome um, draw me closer to who I want to be in my goals? 
Yes, and Katie, one point that I also want to add is the element of vulnerability. Um, how if we go see a Christian therapist, sometimes we go because it's a comfort zone. And when we go see a therapist who is not labeled as a Christian, we continue to be able to engage as we have here in our frontal lobe, where we're able to ask God for discernment. And if we go see a Christian therapist, we may just sit back and say, okay, absorb, 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 let your guard and down and let your guard down. Yeah. So a Christian label, that's the conclusion does not protect you from harm in a, in a vulnerable one-on-one. And that's why multitude of counselors, right. Also check in, talk about your therapist to your friends. So your friends are, well, I don't know about what the therapist said, right. Mm-hmm. Being accountable. So we know that we have about five more minutes. So we're going to go through these steps. And so we really want you to write these down because these are some practical steps of how do I choose a therapist? Chris, what's the first step. Pray for the Holy Spirit to be able to guide you so you understand from the best counselor ever whether or not every single session, I'm not just saying for the first time and then you got a, you got a therapist and it's like, okay, answered prayer every single session so that yes. your mind is alert and able to discern whatever is being presented to you. The spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom can guide you. Mm-hmm. And Luke eleven thirteen says, if you ask, right, he will give you the Holy Spirit. Um, so mm-hmm. asking, that's the first step to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to the right therapist. And then you start doing your research. So mm-hmm. a lot of people say, Lord, please help me find a therapist. And then they call one person, they go in. No, do your research. And mm-hmm. I really love this verse. Chris, can you read Proverbs 16, one for us? Because a lot of people, we are lazy people and we just want to pray and pop. There goes, uh, you know, our, here comes a a therapist, but God wants us to do some legwork. Proverbs 16, one, the preparations of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So God can't give you an answer until you've done the preparations, until you've done the legwork. So research, Mm -hmm. what are their qualifications? What type of education did they get? What is their a mode of practice, right? Do they do a CBT? Do they do DBT? And we'll talk more um, in future sessions about what type of prescription you should be looking for, what type of therapy. We already mentioned it a little bit in the first episode, but becoming prepared to the first session to really interview, right, your therapist. Yes. And then you may be watching thinking, Katie, what are you saying? CBT, DBT, what is that? Don't worry, we're going to be covering that so you understand what that is. Yeah. Yes. So, Research online, right? Find out um, what, you know, what's their training, their background. And then when you come to the actual session, what should you be looking for, Crystal? Well, you should be looking to recognize whether they demonstrate empathy towards you, the three components of empathy, whether they demonstrate unconditional positive regard. Are they a cheerleader to you? Are there comments towards you? These are doubters. Did we cover these already? Yes, in the previous episode. Yeah. You haven't watched so that, watch it. Exactly. Yes. Are they trustworthy? Is there a, a good connection between the two of you? Is it collaborative or is it just, okay, I think you should do this, 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 this. Do they check in with you to see your comfort level, etc.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that I would say is the most important, the collaborative approach. If you're fearful of that comment that was made of Oh, um, if I go to somebody, you know, human with my thoughts and emotions, 
you're scared of the vulnerability, finding someone who's empowering you to take lead in your own sessions. It's super important. Yes. And in regards to empathy, if that's still not clear of how to identify a therapist who's empathic, if you're demonstrating or stating something, for example, you know, I'm struggling in my church with this problem, this problem, the person's not a Christian therapist. If they just kind of bypass that comment, they're not being empathic. If they say, you know what, I don't quite understand what that's like because I don't attend a church. Could you explain to me so I can understand that person in that moment is trying to connect with you and is demonstrating empathy. That's a sign of that. And one of the red flags we want to quickly mention is if they have like a savior complex, right? They're kind of putting their Mm -hmm. place in the place of God and they're not really willing to learn, not willing to listen, not willing to learn. Because the fourth step is explaining your views and what you expect. Often people come and just sit in therapy. I've had clients who come with check boxes of like, okay, I want to see what type of therapy do you do? Okay, you know, and they explain to me, um, you know, my view of marriage is divorce is not okay. And they can ask, and I tell them, I, I ask them, ask me if you want to know what my beliefs are, ask me because therapists are not blank canvases. They do have their beliefs that can influence therapy. So explain your views and what you expect. And that should be in your first session. Um, Talk with someone also about your therapist, right? Having a multitude of counselors. And Crystal, what's the final step? Pray between you and God throughout. And even if you want prayer in therapy, ask. And if the the therapist is not a Christian, they're like, you know, I don't pray with my, my clients. Well, that may be a sign. Or you may say, it's okay, I can pray. Mm-hmm. I'd like to pray. Yeah. And, and I, you could say, I would even like to pray for, for you and for therapy. I want to start off asking for God's guidance, that God may mm-hmm. have your, the spirit guide you. Right. And if they're not okay with that, or if they're like, oh, this is strange or, um, but you are in charge. This is one of the things I really want people to know. You are in charge of your therapy. The therapist is not in charge. You are in charge. And mm-hmm. one other really practical comment I wanted to make was if you're with a non-secular, with a secular therapist, you can read um, biblical as well as um, Christian books to accompany your therapy, to also give you extra guidance. And so if you're in therapy and you're constantly praying for the Holy Spirit, you are sure that they have good qualifications and you're reading books, seeking guidance from other people that are pastors or friends or spiritual mentors, and you're reading the Bible, you're watching Mana, um, you will be guided, right? You'll be um, protected. Um, and again, if there's ever a concern, you're constantly praying throughout. And Chriselle, Psalms 37, five, you want to read that one or? Yes, it says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. How's that related to therapy and choosing a therapist is coming to God and asking God to direct every single step that you take every single session. You take the first step in choosing a therapist, leading you to the right therapist and pray for your therapist too. pray that God can use them as a vessel, a mouthpiece to help you. um, And God will do so. Yeah. So commit your therapy to the Lord. Trust Mm -hmm. also in him, right? Trust him during the process. And he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring the result, the healing that he desires for you. Because it may not, you may not have access to a Christian therapist. If you do, great, right? 
if they're truly Christ-like, um, but knowing that God will guide you to the right person. And to close, I wanted to close with John 14. It's a beautiful chapter, but I wanted to read just a few verses um, as in confidence that we can dedicate this search because finding a therapist is important to God. So it starts off by saying, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then in verse six, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life, right? He is the truth. We know that he is our ultimate prescriber. What I really love is if you continue to look down in verse 14, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And it continues later on in verse 17, he says, the spirit of truth, he says, you know, I won't leave you orphans. I won't leave you alone. I will send you the spirit of truth. And so if you commit this process of looking for a therapist to the Lord, he'll give you the spirit of truth. If you ask for him, trust him, and he will guide you. Yes. Remember, if you find yourself with a therapist and you're thinking, okay, this seems to be the right one. And then later something tells you, no, you don't have to feel obliged to stay with that therapist. Sometimes yes, people think, I don't point. want to offend the person. I'm already here. You can choose another therapist. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly normal. We don't have to stay with a therapist. Yes. So let's close with a word of prayer. Then we'll do our truth prescription. Yes. We have a comment. No prescription. Of course, we always have a prescription. Okay. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord in heaven. Thank you once again for more wisdom, more guidance of understanding, Lord, that we can see counselors. You have shepherds, Lord, here willing to help us. And so we pray for, for those out there who are those shepherds, Lord, continue to use them and utilize them. And also for those who are seeking guidance, please be with them. Let them have your faith and be able to come to you and ask, Lord, for your guidance to find that therapist for them. And if it's not for them, Lord, encourage them to share with others that they can seek for help, for guidance from others, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us and all that you've done for us, as always. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, so, so ready for our truth prescription. All right. So reflect on whether or not you would benefit from seeking a therapist and take the suggested steps, starting with prayer to get connected. Or if you're not in, if you're not in need of a therapist, share this video with a friend who may be struggling with knowing how to find a therapist. So very, very practical. And it's easy to be like, oh, that was great information and, and end it there. But really, I don't know how many people struggle with knowing how to find a therapist. So it's really important to share this link with a friend, not just generally on our, our Facebook or wherever it may be, but try to ask God, is there anyone that you want to put on my heart to send, to share this with? Mm -hmm. And so we want to remind you, as we do every episode, don't forget to take your daily dosage of the truth. Because why, Katie? that you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Thank you for joining us. See you next time in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe and share the link with a friend. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, 
or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.